Hi folks, I am Alan Water and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 24th of November 2019. I often, being human like everybody else, I, well, maybe maybe almost everybody else, <laughs> I get up in the morning and I fall into, we all fall into the same thing because we are human, and, and we fall into the natural way of thinking about things. When you're half sleeping and you get up, that is the first thing in the morning, and you ponder things that you have to do, and they'll come back to you again. And, and I remember someone recently, in fact, it was an actress, I think, uh, who's got early, early form of Alzheimer's, and she said that she doesn't mind it so much because she doesn't get up in the morning and worry anymore. And I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's really how we're kept in, in our place, basically. For those who don't believe we live in a, a real <laughs> super class-type society, because we, that's how we, we live in it, for sure. And we're kept, we're kept by a, a massive regime uh, of propaganda via all kinds of what seems to be information or media or whatever. And you, you all, we don't question it. Most people don't question it. I do. But most people don't question where it all comes from or why even certain articles are all dumped on, on you if you turn on the news first thing in the morning, if you're that crazy, you know. Uh, but it is, there's method to the madness because we're kept, we're kept in our place. That's, that's the old term they used to use in Britain. If you came from the wrong class, you're kept in your place. If you go up a two and you ask questions which you shouldn't ask of your betters, as they say. And really nothing has changed. There's all kinds of betters. There's different classes of betters, sometimes at different racial betters, things like that. We all have our betters. Uh, who often remind us that they are better than us, and then when you when you quiz them on it, they deny it right away. Of course, you know? but that that's the hypocrisy of the the human condition and the system in which we live. But you get up in the morning and and you think about what is reality underneath the the, the layers and layers of control. And for those who think you're just living in a an evolving system, good luck to you. You're, you're truly indoctrinated and you don't even know it. Most folk are. They have no idea of the money, your own tax money that goes into huge think tanks working 24 hours a day pretty well across the whole planet, in fact, on ways to make you conform constantly to obedience to the right kind of people. You're, you're told, and you're indoctrinated in Pavlovian style too, what people not to even look into. If if you do, you're a bad person. You've got thought crime right away, and, and you'll immediately feel guilty for asking questions and so, or even thinking them. And that's your self policing that they prowled on about in the behavioural sciences for years at the United Nations. It's all here, but pretty well all of. I mean, think about it. I was thinking about that really not so long ago. I don't have television. I don't watch television. And actually, maybe that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm still, I, I think, maybe partly sane. But when I do get a little uh, clip or something sent to me by people to watch this on standard television or some modern series of drama, whatever it happens to be, uh, it's like me looking into a different world altogether. See, I missed all the indoctrination that's gradual in everything that you watch on all these stations and channels. And you have no idea, most folk have no idea that your own tax money goes in to the making of most of those dramas and and we pay for all the insertions of the politically correct updates. We do. We, in books and dramas and everything, we pay for it all. It's all from our tax money from the Department of Culture. Every country's got a Department of Culture that forks the cash out and they decide where they're taking the culture. So we have nothing much to do with it except to absorb it and get poisoned by absorbing it, watching the, the trash that they dish out for you to accept. And it's all for purposes. It truly is all for purposes which most folk never even catch on to. Do you really think you're living in a world where multi-million dollar companies and movie industries and so on are just out there to make a little bit of profit and to make you smile? Do you really believe that? Hmm? 
Look around you at your society. Nobody in the society, and it's been for a long, long time, can go through their family members and, and, and maybe even their parents and think that, that it's all smooth sailing and, and, and they've come through things really unaffected and they're hale and hearty, as they used to say, and well. Everybody's got disasters everywhere you look in their families and themselves. Even through such a rapid transition of human designed for humans, transitional movements for directions of alterations of culture, and which must still be under control of the authorities. And of course, the best way to do it, the old saying is very true, you don't know you're a slave. People who are in slavery, and this kind of slavery, even Aldous Huxley touched on it too, you become to love your servitude. It doesn't seem so bad, does it? How many people out there have got their good customer service cards and things like that? For their Folk have given away every bit of privacy that they have for a few rewards. And I used to watch it as a child years ago in Britain because Britain is a really advanced socialist country for control. And even before they called it socialist, I don't care what term that the system that, that they actually had was, the fact is it was always under intense control in Britain and quite a few European countries. And they used a socialistic formula of you're all a collective, all of you, because you're the class system. And, you, you, and of course, all of you at the, lot, the bottom level of the class system uh, obviously we're a collective. You all had to behave the same, be the same, do the same thing, and obey. You all had to obey the same authorities above you, which were very clear-cut who they were. And they never really gave it up. They just decided, those who ruled an empire, remember, a, a few, these folk based in London, who, who ran the money system and taxation systems and profited from all the wars which they designed, in order to profit from them, all lived basically in and around London. And they all intermarried, these families. I could go into it forever and ever, but you can't really waste much time on it, or maybe sometimes it's not even safe to do so. But the fact is, they designed a system called socialism, where the folk would think that they were in charge of things. Not just for Britain, but for other countries too. Folk have no idea that, that the group that gave you the, the British Empire, that morphed into the, the, the Lord Alfred Milner group and his kindergarten and the Round Table Society, ruled it all. It was the same group, the Cecil Rhodes group too, all merged with it. And they became the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Council and Foreign Relations. They have a few other names too for special branches in different parts of the world. But they set up the whole global system, and it was exactly the same. Here's your multi-millionaires. Today be multi-multi-multi-billionaires of their day set up t- today's system for us with the unification in the Americas. That was to be part of it. And you've got a council of the Americas too, for you can check into all this stuff, how, long, how old it is, who set up and all that. And you have the CFR branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. You have a branch for the Asian Pacific Rim Group. I've got all their different names and addresses here. But what I'm getting at is, do you really think these people who were incredibly into eugenics and justified their actions across the world in a fashion which was blatantly... Racist. These folk were racist about the British people. And yet here they were living in London, looking down on the peasant class. That's racist. They thought they were a different species. Seriously. And they had no problem. This is what used to interest me too. They had no problem merging to an extent or, or having these great relationships once with, with India and, and the higher castes in India because they had so much in common and the way that they viewed the world and the, and the peasant classes beneath them. Incredible. And that they all loved riches, etc. too. But with the world wars, which were necessary to create their system of control for a global society, which they would still control, and to lead us into it all, that to bring on world wars, they talked about it, they published their findings on, on what they wanted, 
and how to introduce it and, and how the world would go into a United Nations type of idea. And then they guide us step by step uh, with eugenics into depopulation of certain countries. And it's quite fascinating to see that they wanted to depopulate the countries first, which they, they, they lorded over themselves when, where they lived, in fact. But not for themselves, but for the, for the people who lived there. It was amazing about the British people. The, the peasant stock basically across the countries Because With all the deprivation that they had For centuries And with the the Horrible conditions in which they lived With Poor hygiene, uh, no running All that kind of stuff, which we all know about uh, It was not a happy, happy Existence, but they could Just like today Basically they bring out the military for you Every so often and the young guys would see these guys in, in brand new uniforms, eh? new clothing. That was a, that was really something exotic, and shiny brass buttons and things. And they'd join up, and just like today, be all you can be, you know. And, and they'd join up and hoping to get some adventure and excitement and get out of the dreary system in which they lived at, at the time. Was, nothing was worse than where they lived generally. Yeah, these old smoky cities, eh? And the folk had been crowded into them for the Industrial Revolution. And a lot of them didn't even have shoes and so on, for goodness sake. So anyway, they used them across the world to conquer other nations. But because they had this ability to be awfully obedient and well-disciplined, they were awfully good at fighting other peoples. So once they'd done it all, you see, after the World War I and two, the same elite knew what they wanted to bring into the world. And the, the people that had most to worry about were the peasant classes that they'd use for, for the stock, for the soldiery, and so on. Because of their abilities of cohesiveness and warfare and efficiency. That's why they turned on their own people initially, first. And it was so astonishing when you think about World War Two and the deprivation that the people had lived through uh, from right from the, the uh, depression in the late 1800s, right in through the World War One and a, and a depression, right? You're talking about basically famine type societies that they created because of it and rationing right through the Great Depression, right into World War Two and right after into the 1950s. I mean, the folk really <laughs> were treated like dirt. And at the end of it, they were still starving. In Britain, because then the government signed on to a deal where they defeat all the conquered countries in this war. And if you look at the photographs of the people back then, uh, see at a beach, they, they, they looked like they just got out of a prison camp. These, these were the citizenry. And yeah, the nice smiling faces, because you've got that cheerfulness, that natural thing that pulls them through. But the fact is, uh, they really were <laughs> starved. And they had rickets and all kinds of problems with malnutrition. That was Great Britain, the Roman Empire. But the people who, who ruled it all never suffered, even through the rationing reasons. They got everything they wanted. They, could always get it. they, they always talked about that, how they could get anything they wanted, and they did. But they were the first countries after, the, after that, the, the people, the, the stock of the people, to be hammered by massive psychological warfare. Never mind the, the physical warfare and, and malnutrition. But they were hammered because now was, there were to be a big experimental base for depopulation. And I really mean this. is an interesting thing you should really look into. Uh, is the copious papers on eugenics churned out by the Darwinian societies and so on in the, in the UK. And all the depopulation uh, meetings that they had, depopulate, depopulate, even when World War Two was going on, the king held one in, in London on ways to, to depopulate the, the stock after the war, when it was finished. So it hadn't been finished yet. And you take what happened in the 50s. There was incredible cooperation from certain segments across the world to take charge of the culture. Well documented, too, in different books. To alter the culture in, in Britain and in, in uh, the U.S. as well. And, of course, the British Empire went along with it right away because all the countries were all connected so, so intricately. And they gave you, initially, it was what they called the beatniks. The beatniks, they changed the These guys, they just wore pullovers. 
uh, had beards and greasy hair and and played jazz this this atonal type jazz and and they had of course cannabis dope you know marijuana and they, they opened up clubs and they tried to really make the youth get into this this cool daddy stuff you know that was the lingo that they used they always give you lingo for their era so the youngsters catch on to the lingo thinking it's their own and it, it differentiates them from every other group so so they go right along with it oh daddy oh all that kind of stuff cool man and they really pushed it, and they have no idea. And I gave talks about that many years ago, about uh, the groups that set up music as a technique of massive control and change of to change the culture. And there, there was a guy in, in um, a man in New York City in the early 1920s, and and uh, the communists sent a group over. This this man was a really he was more advanced in the jazz scene and the technology of it. There's always a technology that goes along with music. And they kidnapped this fella. That a book was put out. They kidnapped him and took him over to the Soviet Union to, to really work on this because they saw how this could affect young people. You must always grab the youth and eventually you can bypass the older folk by ignoring them and make the youth think that they're actually leading the, uh, their avant-garde. Uh, of some revolution or whatever it happens to be. So it's a cultural revolution. Well, you, you go, you always go for the music first. Everybody loves music. And when you're young, your ears are far keener and you hear, even can hear higher notes and things like that, which you'll, you'll start to lose in your 30s and 40s. So it's, it's very keen. And, and they can use you and they can alter you to get you to follow things. Now, youth as well are more prone to club together, like an us thing, an in-group. And you can create that feeling you're an in-group, especially if you wear the same gear. And so they gave you the gear, they always give you a, 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 the gear to wear, the uniform to wear for every cultural change. So back then it was the Beatniks, as I say, eventually after post-World War II, that's really pushed. They tried jazz before over in Germany, different places from America, and tried to, to actually get the, the sexual revolution going then. It didn't work too well. Because there's always fallout if you don't have antibiotics and uh, and access to to uh, even abortion, you see. So they they brought it back again after World War Two, and they gave you the beatniks. So sweaty guys, long greasy hair, who were always stern looking or stoned or whatever, same kind of thing, and introverted and with this atonal jazz. But it just didn't take off. Some countries it took off better. Right up into the 1970s, like some occasional clubs in, in, in Denmark and places like that. But most places in Britain and all that kind of fell flat, didn't work. And they tried to push that by, on the BBC. Before they had Top of the Pops and Jimmy Savile, they had, uh, I think it was the 6 5 special and things like that, where they give you this dig daddy music, you know, dig it, etc. And it still didn't, wasn't, wasn't that popular. And so they gave you the Teddy Boys from America. The Teddy Boys was the next step. It was shorter hair, but kind of fluffed up and all that, and highly, highly shining, like, like grease and all that. And the longer uh, jackets that would come down halfway to your knees, basically. And, and it was, again, a Elvis Presley kind of thing. They pushed it at that time, too. And that was to get the sexual thing going again. And, and Elvis Presley was, was booed initially in, in the UK and different places because he, a guy doing gyrations like that, like a male stripper, was totally frowned on by society, you know. It really was. But he was trained by the same people that gave you the counterparts in Britain. In fact, there was two, two guys who trained the, the, the youth at the time for music for Britain, and they knew each other, and they worked with the group in, in the States as well. Gave you your, your, your main singers, like Cliff Richard and stuff. Anyway, they gave you that. that. That went on for a while. But it still wasn't really, really taken off. I mean, youngsters were going into that stage, uh, but by the time they got to about 17, they were leaving it again. They were, they were just maturing, and that's what you do, maturity. But they wanted a culture that they, they could be arrested for years and years in, in the same kind of mode. And so they gave you uh, what they call pop music, 
pop music came out again with the same stuff and the, the, they, they gave you dances where there was no formula for the dance. So you didn't have to touch the partner, which had always been the tradition for in all countries, even with folk dancing. It was all to do with getting to touch someone that could possibly be a partner in marriage, but that's how you met people. That was allowed and, and permissible, etc., to meet them that way. But touching was important. But now you didn't. You, you just sort of, sort of shook around like you're having seizures and stared at each other's feet or knees, you know. And, and that was a new form. And and I thought about that and thought about that too because it was beyond... Dancing supposed to be a happy thing. But suddenly you get strobe lights and all that. And again, too, I've, I've given talks about the strobe lights and how the, you know, the, the U.S. Air Force actually supplied... Hangers for a group that even knew the Unabomber, by the way, and they worked with the Grateful Dead as well. But they came out with the strobe lights. They used it to practice this in these big hangers, different kind of strobes, to try to, to induce altered states of consciousness with the combination of drugs which they'd supply and they did use across uh, the Western world. So nothing happened by itself. And this is not conspiracy theory. This is this is verified stuff. And then they gave you the fronts. You know, the initial pop stuff was still pretty tame because it was boy meets girl type thing and, and a little kind of chewing gum kind of music and and kind of harmless. But but then they went to the serious stuff. Then they gave you the Beatles, of course, and it got more and more serious. And, and as I say, most of the stuff that you see, remember, show business is a performance. Business is always business, but show show means what you see is not real. And so the presentation of the characters that they give you made stars by a machinery which you don't even know exists, but that's what the whole thing's about. It's a massive machinery that will make anybody a star if the money's there or if the culture creators have deemed it to be so. And they do, they still do this kind of thing. Uh, It's the same machinery that makes them into stars on movie screens or in, in music. And, of course, there's a huge machinery around all, all these big groups which they've, they've given to you. And, of course, they put them out as little garage bands. Oh, they're just guys, just garage bands, you know, all that nonsense. But they're, they're, they're all picked years before you ever hear them. And they're, they're trained. A lot of them really were really junior actors, in fact. And they can be picked out of lineups, put together, and formed a band. However, they're promoted as like the best of pals because youth like to identify with them. It's a natural thing because, because they're, they're more in common, but they're about your age group or maybe a little bit older. And they're just stumbling along and made it good, and you feel great for them. But you don't know that there's a huge machinery has made them who they are. That's why a lot of them can't stop, by the way. You don't realize the money that goes into making them to be the stars that you're all going to follow. And they still pay off so much, but you wouldn't believe it. This is, they're just part of a massive business, the ones that you see in here, a small part of it. And there's, there's a lot more still paying off uh, all the money. A lot, Some of the money went into them, and a lot that they've borrowed too along the way because they're always blowing more than they earn. And so they, they've got to, they can't stop. When they're signed on for, for these records, they've got to keep producing, you see? So to an extent, their life is not their own. Massive machinery. But what I'm getting at is what you're seeing is step-by-step changing of the youth. Something they've been at for a long time. Starting with jazz, the eternal stuff. It didn't take too long. They they tried it with the jazz, with the sexual elements, and they brought lots of bands over from from the US to, to, to Europe and Germany, trying to really get it going. It didn't work too well. And and again, the Germans weren't too happy of what was happening to their culture. It was it seemed to be a deliberate takedown of culture. And it was, actually. It didn't happen by itself. It was a, a deliberate attack on culture. And yet you have no idea how orchestrated and how in-depthly studied it was and, and how it was promoted and produced. You'll see a touch of that in that CBC documentary called Sin Cities where they glorify this kind of behavior and try to present it all as avant-garde and cutting edge and breaking with tradition, etc. But in reality, when you look at the ones they did in Germany during, during a depression, remember, where you had all kinds of women going to be, end up being hookers 
And I say it's absolutely a, a, an abusive system where folk are doing terrible things in order to eat, you know. And yet this is hailed as a great breakthrough of liberation. It's, it's disgusting. To me, that is, you know. And so, and again, they had a backlash from Germany. Even Hitler got in because of a lot of things that were happening then, too, with the communism taking over. And what was happening in Berlin with uh, the, the against a sin city, where a lot of its income was coming from drugs and uh, massive kinds of prostitution of all kinds, all kinds, big celebrations of it in halls where everybody stripped off, like mass orgies and so on, and all these Europeans flooding in to pay money to see you, etc. As well, and Americans, but Hale's a great success, as I say. Well. It didn't happen by itself, and it didn't just break out by itself, like it's a time it must come, and it's, has, it's got to have its day. It wasn't like that. It was planned that way, and heavily financed and directed. But the same system was used post-World War Two, as I say, in Britain and the rest of the, the, the Commonwealth countries. Now, most people will fall in to enjoying what their peer group and their age group enjoys as a teenager without thinking too much about all the rest of it or even the content of what they're hearing you see and it's always to do with promoting something which seems to have no consequences the songs the early songs used to have consequences about things and but but when bonding was to be destroyed and and you're simply promoting sexuality that's sex without bonding to a partner that's what was, that was the agenda. That was the stipulated agenda. And psychologists now admit it all and the rest of it. That took part in the, the creation of it. But that would help with depopulation. You see? Lots of, of, of sex just don't have, have offspring. The state will take care of that. And, and they, could, they had, um, of course, you had the pill and all the rest of it too. But uh, that was the intention of it. And so you, they started off using Britain as a big test subject with the National Health Service and and dealing with all the fallout or with or even supplying the pill. But then the industry, too, for music had to go the next step and the next step. And then they brought in rock, which initially a lot of it was, wasn't too bad. There was some skill involved and things like that. But then it morphed into this, this like made-for-TV stuff. Uh, kind of like Spinal Tap, the comedy, where the guys ended up spending more money on their hairdos than Fear of Fawcett and wearing clothing that was very, they used to call it sissy-ish at the time, a bit of a sissy, you see. That was the terminology that was used. Uh, but the, the intention was to, 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 to start to blur this whole idea <laughs> of, of genders for, think, for a time that was to come, and which we're in now, of course. Step by step, you're trained and trained and trained by those who manage societies. There's people who earn millions of dollars a year, individuals, who, who are the heads of these think tanks that literally plan the future on behalf of the masters who own the planet. And that's how they refer to themselves, you know, at that level. Knowing that, that, that the bulk of the populace are oblivious that they even exist. Or that their, their lifestyles are being shaped for them. And their likes and dislikes are given to them. And you have approval and social disapproval uh, about different things too. As I said before, what to, what to think, what not to think about. Don't even look into that problem that might be glaring because it's bad to do so, etc., etc. You're trained all the time. And... You're, you're trained into a system where you still think that you have freedoms and rights and that's some, this odd uh, deception called democracy because you never, you've never had democracy. And if you understood the, the reality behind even what I'm talking about now, music and so on, but the reality behind the human nature of the powerful who run the world, a lot of folk couldn't handle it. We we live through eras like cold wars and things where lots of folk were killed by agencies on all sides. It's a pre, it's still going on too. It's, it's a ruthless system. I can remember 
an umbrella death in, in London. It was a, a Russian defector who'd, who'd end up taking residence in London, came down an elevator. It was surmised afterwards that someone with an umbrella, because they, they, they knew that the, the Russians and Soviets had this kind of uh, technology, because Britain had it too, naturally. But uh, they could actually just fire a tiny little pellet from the umbrella into the person's thigh or something in an elevator. And the guy came down the elevator every day and then stumbled in the streets and died. But someone found in the, the topsy room this tiny little pellet just under a little, a little, wasn't even a, a blister on the skin. And he examined it and examined it in, in the topsy and found this little tiny, minute sub, sub it, was, it was almost, oh, it was smaller than about a 32nd of an inch. It had tiny little holes in it where the poison came out, this poison. And if, if this, this this attendant actually hadn't been so thorough in his observations, because the body had all been passed to some sort of strange death, but he found this afterwards, and then it, it was confirmed. And so folk dialed. This is how governments really deal with things, but they deal with their own people inside their countries the same way. You've got to get off of this, this, oh, we've got our rights and we've got this, this law and just Look at this mess of this, the U.S. right now. Look at it. The whole world's looking at this. Sometimes, I have to say this, the, the people across the world and in Europe are more aware of what's happening inside America than people in America and the U.S. And sometimes you have to stand back outside your, your own little enclave of, of, of reality and, and see things more intensely and intently as they really are. Of the power plays inside the U.S. for the last couple of years, what really is open rebellion is what you're seeing too. Of what they, what they, they're loosely called the deep state, but it's, it's much bigger than the deep state because of the, <laughs> I won't go too far into it anyway, but, but the fact is you can see who's rebelling. And unfortunately for, for some, it, it's showing uh, a lot of the people in control of the U.S. And, and of course, they're doing, going all out right now to silence any, any inquisitive voices or demands from people. Because it is so obvious, isn't it? If you end up getting a one-party state, then which is the agenda, of course, for a global agenda, you have to have a one-party system. It'll have all little categories of special, you know, looking after special rights of special groups and so on, and minorities, and, and, and new and old minorities, and old minorities will die off, basically, uh, and, and they'll find new minorities as time goes on. This is why they'll do it, to make you think that you've still got rights and that, and they still care. But you're, you're living in a totalitarian system in reality. How many folk were asked about free trade to begin with? And it was stuffed down our throats. We live in a post, well, it's a post-everything society, definitely post-20th century. And the 20th century was heavily under attack. It's when most of these things were going on. The destruction of the family unit, the Communist Manifesto, of course. And sexual promiscuity was encouraged without bonding. Bonding was taboo. Massive drug, um, street drugs and legal drugs getting pushed like crazy during the interim periods of between marriage and so on, and destruction of the unit. And then the end of borders, that's what they're pushing at the moment now too, because you're going through the same agenda. Remember, the, the withering away of the state was part of the Communist Manifesto too. Karl Marx talked about the eventually the, the, the state, the nation state would wither away. Well, here you have this, uh, and where have you seen it published anywhere? Like, oh, this, the, the countries have signed a borderless world. It hasn't been published, not to us anyway. But you're, you're, you're seeing the politicians attack anyone. So they're, they're in the know, but we're not. They're in the know that this is time now to abolish the, the borders everywhere. So anybody who stands up and still wants to retain a border is being severely attacked by the big political groups out there. It's obvious, isn't it? We know this is in your face. So you're living through an agenda which the ultra-elite want which has the appearance of socialistic control and socialism, which is the same as the communist agenda, which is exactly what Carl Quigley said. We're often mistaken, he said, for communists, being the CFR, the Royal Institute for International Affairs. 
because their goals have so much in common and their techniques that they use are so similar. Well, it's pretty well the same, except the top of the elite isn't some Politburo that pretends to be elected by the people. It's an ordained by the elite, uh, elite. <laughs> and you have no saying them. You're not even supposed to know they really exist. But it's there, all right. And below it is a huge scientific class working for them in all kinds of areas, in laboratories and think tanks and everything else. So uh, that's the system in which we live. Now, I've prattled on long enough about this. I'm not going to go into this too much, but except to say, you have no idea that it continues. Most folk is get up in the morning. You have your worries, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do that, like I mentioned earlier. And then you get on with things as best as you can. Because you still have responsibilities and so on. You have to still get through the day and do things. But whatever you do, don't just expect it. I hope you don't just turn on the news and get downloaded with the latest propaganda. Because most of what you're getting today is incredible propaganda. Everywhere you look, it's in your face. And no time at all. Most folk have given up almost all the rights that previous generations fought for. Think about that. Think about it really, really hard. And realize that for privacy, just for privacy alone, most folk didn't have the right to privacy from authorities. And you've given it all up because you got to be kept safe from terrorism, says the tyrants at the top. Give it all up. And then they bring you into a computerized society and a Wi-Fi society. You understand that there's book after book that came out with this stuff from players near the top who love to boast about it. And they they, they mentioned how they're going to bring us all into this kind of society and, and demolish your privacy and then train you all that this is normal. Isn't it amazing how, how new normals are created for you? You adapt right into them without thinking. Without, ever, without even getting a clue that massive think tanks have prompted and goaded you and moved you along in a certain direction. You, you don't even know that's happened to you. You just do it. Who would have thought, as I say, that for discounts at stores, folk would give up all their private information and let authorities across the planet know what, everything they're buying and what they're eating, and everyone else individually, and what their interests are, for, for a discount. And for high definition, and for, the, and for all the, the different the ubiquitous appliances of nomadic uh, devices, of internet of things, that you're, you're all getting, you, can, you can't get enough of them. Because as long as they're advertised, I want now, I want now, you know. Until you got little hubs there and you got, you got all your different gadgets speaking to you and speaking to each other. And, and no matter what you do in the house, it's getting, it's getting tele- communicated somewhere else all over the place. So, what a sad thing, isn't it? It's been too easy to dominate the public and get them to give up all their rights. And for high-definition TV and so on, the most hypnotic thing ever devised. Who'd have thought they give up all your rights for, for pretty, pretty lights, pretty flashing lights? All these are prettier flashing lights than the old flashing lights. Yeah. Prettier. Hmm? And they're watching TV sets that are watching them. Isn't that astonishing? And that's why they always let, you know, every 20 years another bunch die off. It's like 20 years. Um, that's how they work it out in sections. Of us, of us dying off and the, the folk won't pass on stuff that, that's happened to them if they've got the ability to even pass on. Here's an article, here's an example. And I, I was looking, before I get into this a little bit, I, I did wonder what you talk about because everyone knows what's happening in, as I say, in the States right now. You, you all know about it. You're going through a psychodrama. You're meant to be involved in the psychodrama. All sides are participating in the psychodrama. And everybody wonders why Trump isn't trying to cut in and allow all the folk who voted him in to cut in and, and demand and make pass resolutions or even uh, orders in council or whatever they call them there in the States, but pass them to get rights for people to speak. 
and to use the internet with safely and all the rest of it, but he won't. And you say, why won't he do this? Well, maybe he's playing a part too. Here's a thought you should really, really consider. The agenda, and I remember talking about this, the 90s, 1990s, when Bush Jr. was in, and there was a big kind of uh, a mellowness in society at the time, Leading up to 2001, lots was, a lot of things were happening, and they were, they were even passing omnibus crime bills, which were anti-terrorism bills in reality in Canada in 1998, in preparation for 9/11 coming along, obviously. Uh, but I can remember thinking at the time that there's such a a void, there's a kind of void that's missing in society at times. You feel it; it's in the air. The reason is because everything that made sense and made purpose has been destroyed. That's part of it, folks. Was a big part of it, uh, and it was all deliberately done. They knew there'd be this this kind of um, despair in a sense. You wouldn't have purpose for being. You wouldn't get mated up and married and and have children, things like that. Things that nature demanded of you, whether you liked it or not. And so they had all this, these kind of things worked. These scenarios worked out, and how to use drugs down the road, which we're now in, to 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 take us away from that. And then the wellness programs to try to fill the void that's been left from nature, being, being kicked out of the, of, of the purpose that it's really there for. So they give you the, these substitutes, you see, these, 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 these fake realities to, to live, or fake themes to live through, etc. But here's one here, this article here. The psychology of privacy in the era of the Internet of Things. Everything that's happened to us was planned to happen. 9-11 was a must-be to, to push all through. I, I think so many of us knew that at the time, too. Or maybe not, but I certainly did, and I talked about it, too. And this article is from 2017, and it was a CNN report that talked about the recent WikiLeaks document dump. They talked about... Uh, the Samsung TVs, for instance, that allowed hackers to remotely switch on TV cameras without alerting the owner. Well, the owners often didn't know the cameras were there. But anyway, it says the exposure by WikiLeaks of possible CI spycraft highlights the unraveling of cherished ideas of privacy at home as we enter the era of the Internet of Things. A world where many, if not all, of us, the objects surrounding us are smart and therefore accessible to hackers. And it's here to give you terminology to smart, right? Spyware. It's spyware, folks. But it's smart, right? No, it's just spyware. And machinery is machinery. I don't care if it's electronic or not, but the fact is it's quite easy to program any machinery to do what you want it to do. That's what tools are, right? Anyway, it says, are we prepared for ubiquitous computing and its evil twin ubiquitous surveillance? Now, now what I'm telling you, too, a lot of the information you get is propaganda, and it's also psychological warfare. Think about that, too. Because it's meant to lead, lead you to the inevitable conclusion of inevitability. <laughs> that this must be and it can't be any different. And this, the future is just going to be a, uh, a future with no privacy whatsoever. That's what it's meant to do. So it says here, for seeing the future, the Helsinki privacy experiment explored the long-term psychological consequences of surveillance in the home. And they used different participants and so on and watched them and see how they, they'd react to being watched by cameras and that, etc., etc. It says technologies served two purposes. They functioned as media centers equipped with TVs, DVD players, Wi-Fi access, and collected, stored, and transferred network data, as well as audio and video collected by cameras positioned around the homes. Living in the tricked-out homes were 12 people, most of their 20s, the one was... Uh, one sixty-year-old also volunteered to be a privacy guinea pig, and they go through who they were, etc., etc., and how eventually they each they all adapted to being watched, one way or another. They had little ways to, to get round being watched all the time, or not showing their emotions all the time, and so on. This is all, this is for society. We see we're, we're we're rats in a cage being studied, folks. Right? It says, amongst their greatest concerns, that there was a possibility of a public viewing of the videos. In particular, some feared the material would be edited with some intention to misrepresent them and be most unhappy participants. 
uh, if private footage were shown to the authorities, their friends and their employers. And I'll just step in here. You think if at all these shows that, that you've been geared to watch of increasing nudity, increasing nudity, under the guise of like, was it, was it um, alone in the wilderness or sur- survival or something? And, and they're, they're all nude and they're dumped. And that's what's meant. You meant you've been trained and trained and trained to be watched all the time through your entertainment and through articles even like this. And the psychological participation and all, uh, putting their, their findings, as they say, which are really propaganda results into articles to make you think it's just simply inevitable. Anyway, they, they, they talk about this from different, again, professionals saying you'll, you'll just get used to it being observed all the time and you can't really do anything about it except accept it. That's what it comes down to, you see. Rather than call everything spyware, which is what it is. Don't call them smart, they're smart. They're little spyware, folks. That's what it's for. They go through the early parts of the internet, how it used to be um, different and, and you had quite a lot of control over things and so on. But now with, with all businesses involved in it and want to know what you're up to for, the, for, for their own survival, you're supposed to just accept it all and agree to being, being watched and tracked and so on. But it's not a bad article, in fact, it's again what they're doing. But you, there's no doubt about it. You stand back and see what's the, what's the intention of the article. It's, it's, to me, it's, well, it's all inevitable, and you just got to accept it. Do you realize, as I say, people fought wars in, uh, in previous ages for privacy and for rights? Because privacy not to be watched was incredibly vital to the human condition. We know that intuitively. We just know it. You see? And they even have terms about that. The visual privacy is incredibly important to a lot of people, but it has to be overcome, you see. That's the, by your masters, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Hmm. Visual privacy. And they bring out their, their, their specialist. Bob Briscoe is one of them, research scientist in communication systems. And how you, we've all had countless benign experiences whenever we've given up our privacy. You have no idea how sick, the incredible, the incredible amount of work going and testing, testing in all of us. Because we are just animals to the masters. And it's not just to make money off us. It's for a controlled, predictable society where everybody individual must be completely predictable. That's why they have all the data on you. But I'll put this article up, the link to this article up for anybody who wants to read it and um, make up their own minds about it. But as I say, things don't have to be inevitable. You certainly, you individually have rights, you see. Most folk will go along with things because everybody else is going along with things. And they know this too, they actually say that conformity is a group thing. And they, they expect the majority to go along with it. Right down to, to, to taking an app. I've got articles to have studied them too, where they've done study after study of getting you to consent to be watched or having your information sent back to them with different apps and so on. Right down to the tick boxes, was it? Right, they'll, they'll give you a, an app, and they'll automatically tick it. There's a little tickers there, you see. And how many folk will actually just accept that to go with it, or uh, they'll give an, an app in a, an unticked box. You see how many, and then the percentage of folk who who will still just say yes, okay, and tick it. And, and then eventually, I think the third or fourth uh, option was they, they tried it and tried to see if you just tick yes or no. And they give the reasons and, and the percentages of, of the folk who saw the unticked box. And, and that was the least likely to, for folk to, to, to just accept it and have cookies in it and then tick it themselves. Because it was empty, which made you suspicious. Saying, well, why, is it, why didn't they tick it off themselves? It must be something really bad that they're hiding here. They got all figured out, and and the one at the end, yes or no, was was actually a salesman's technique. It worked much better because because even with the ad, uh, you, you get a feeling they've been prompted, hurried. You see, to, to say yes or no, 
it's kind of a sales pitch. If you don't, if you don't say yes or no in five seconds, it's, that's a, that, that's the impression you get. To, to lead up to that through different, very very hidden techniques to, to lead you up to that quick decision, and so we say, oh, okay, yes, and that's, that's it. so that was the best performance of all of them. It's just so important to have all the data on us. It's just incredibly important, isn't it? But everything out there, as I say. But now think. Getting back to Donald Trump here before my time's up. You're going through a psychodrama, and back to the to the uh, the nineties, as I said before, where they talked about a one-party system. If it could be made for the public, it could be made to think that everything's just so dysfunctional now, nothing's going to work because the governments just can't cooperate and get things done, etc., etc. Then you'll have chaos. You'll have people being fearful. You always create fear, you see. And slaves really are so used to having masters that they get fearful when they think there's going to be no masters or the masters are dysfunctional or not taking care of business, you see. But it'll come out eventually. It's just so terrible that here's a new system. And if they can bring in a, a, a financial chaos along Cider to the same time, they'll they'll bring you the new system. You'll be and you'll want them. In fact, you'll beg them to give it to you. And it's already this. All they'll do is blow off the dust on it, take off the shelf, blow the dust off, and present it to you. And you'll accept it. This is how things are done. The new system is so important for the elites who've been using uh, basically the one of their main groups right now, the Trilateral Commission that the technocrats that go across the planet really getting things done behind the scenes. They're not responsible to electors. They've been using them for years and years and years since Jimmy Carter's day. And it'd be much easier if you, if you just put the professional experts in charge for a new governmental system. Everything that we were taught to fight before against tyrants to preserve democracy, etc., etc., you'll be told uh, you have to go this way because we need efficiency now. Now, here's the thing. In a society that's free, you can't have efficiency. Efficiency would negate all choices and freedoms. You have to have it at a level where things function, but they function towards the human condition, not for the master's efficiency. Now, I just want to go into this article I mentioned before it's, um, it says Rubio Cinema Tillis introduced bipartisan threat assessment prevention and safety act of 2019 they also call it TAPS and uh, what an amazing <laughs> program it is to, I knew it would come actually I've said before uh, where they can monitor everyone for a threat assessment. Now, this is going to spread to all different areas of, of psychology, too, and behavior. And eventually, it'll be down to your opinions. And so, and that's a threat. Just your opinion might be a threat. Just, just vocalizing something or even a thought or even a question could be taken as a threat. That's where they want it to go. If you've noticed all the articles about hate speech recently coming to the fore as a front to stop asking the right questions or questions which are begging to be asked, it's awfully important to realize what's really going on with these, these different acts. Very few acts are put out there for the reason they tell you. We're lied to so commonly that it, uh, most folk don't think about it. Here's an article too. The EU court, the European court, big tech must censor critics of politicians worldwide. I can remember when Bush was in and they had their wars against Iraq and so on. And the whole push by the deep state at that time was something called, it was all hitting against anti-government, anti-government protesters, anti-government complainers. It was all the different groups inside the states at that time, and there was many of them, that was the alternative to the to regular media on, and radios. And they had all, all kinds of well-educated people giving their talks about the system and what was happening. It's all gone now.
So it's the same thing again, but now they're, they're pushing for all censorship of, of um, critics, of politicians. It's, it's just another version of anti-government. Uh, so it's just calling out inept, traitorous and corrupt politicians among Europe's ruling class online is officially banned worldwide. They've, they banned it worldwide. Oh, we understand this. <laughs> After usurping authority over the people and nations of Europe, a European Union court just ruled that US-based social media companies must comply with anti-free speech decrees by European authorities. Under the ruling handed down by the so-called European Court of Justice last week, judges made clear that the criticism of a fringe political figure must be censored all over the world, not just inside the EU or in the specific nation where the authorities considered the speech illegal. Critics called the move Orwellian and crazy. The case in question involved Eva uh, Glavishnik uh, Pisek, a far-left Austrian politician with a totalitarian Green Party, who was ridiculed on Facebook by her critics. Amongst other criticisms, she was referred to online as a corrupt oaf and a lousy traitor of the people for extreme political views. Also, these were the opinions of the authors, you see. And uh, another critic blasted the Green Party for being fascist, a fascist political party. So anyway, the complaint that she filed went to court, and uh, and so... Uh, the social media giant, it says, Facebook, which has developed a global reputation for its hostility to free speech and support for left-wing politics, only censored the offending views within Austria. That wasn't enough for, for Glavschnik Fizek. She did not want anyone anywhere on the planet to be able to read what people thought of her or to post anything, so she appealed. And after winging its way through the nation's legal system, the Austrian Supreme Court asked the European Court of Justice to take up the case. So it, uh, it is ruled that free speech is ruled illegal. In one EU member state, the technology companies must censor it all over the world. So that's where it's supposed to go, you see. And any excuse will do. Because I've said before, this is what they try to, to get stop people from criticizing anything happening in government or the corruption in government and so on before as anti-government. Now it's just gone into this. They can't criticize politicians, same kind of thing. Germany's online crackdowns inspire the world's dictators. Uh, an anti-hate speech law written in Berlin has been copy-pasted by authoritarian regimes from Caracas to Moscow. And um, there's just uh, another article, too, about it as well. The crackdown began after 2015 when Angela Merkel's decision to welcome more than one million refugees and asylum seekers was greeted with a tidal wave of protests ranging from derision to visceral hatred on social media. The anger migrated from the online trolling and memes of keyboard warriors into actual attacks on refugee centres across Germany. It's much, much bigger than that. The fact is we're, you're going to lose your rights to say anything. And that's the, part of, the purpose of um, the control of the, the internet and control of, over what you think and say. And so you're being punished by things. It's, it's also the same as China with its uh, social credit system. Uh, you get all the different uh, little tick marks if you comply, comply, and obey, obey, obey. But if you, you say anything that's politically incorrect, and they'll always let you know what's politically incorrect, then... Uh, that's, that's how we were all graded, etc. So the vast majority of the public will always conform. And it's only people who, who have a, a sense of justice and, and the lack of justice really to stand up at all, in all ages, I think. And of course, they're always the problem for those who want to dom- who are dominating you and want to continue to dominate you and don't want you um, spreading <laughs> seditious thoughts of freedom uh, around. It can be terrible for controlling the public. Another article, I'll just finish with this too. It's just, with, with Look at all the satellites that's getting tossed up in the air. This one, this article here is about... Uh, SpaceX satellites. It says, may block view of the star as astronomers warn. And this is after Elon Musk's SpaceX successfully placed all six of its first Starlink uh, V09 satellites in the orbit last week. Astronomers and astrophysicists alike have been expressing the concern over the light pollution they could cause. Now, you've got to remember that there's some 
yeah, these characters throwing up thousands of these things, and, and they've got thousands more. And it says, these were just the first 60 of a planned 12,000 satellites from SpaceX, uh, which is going to use them to beam internet to the ground by 2020s. Now, have we been asked about this? Do, are we asked about anything that matters? Like the geoengineering has been going on for years, were we ever asked about it, what, what we thought about it, or would we mind? Of course you're not. And yet you, you, you keep prowling about democracy, and then you go and vote. Oh, you vote for governments who will all collectively take away all your rights. <laughs> it's astonishing. They say that hope springs infernal. Eh? So then it says here, uh, the launch soon sparked discussion. Astronomers talking about um, how they're, they change how we see the cosmos. Even in the spring, autumn, and winter, around half a dozen Starlink satellites will be visible at any time up to three hours before sunrise and three hours after sunset. Depending on how bright they end up being, uh, they'll have a drastic impact on the character of the night sky. It's astonishing that they've been putting up these small fridge size, they call them fridge size satellites, for, for quite a few years now. And, and there's, there's thousands of them up there. Uh, other big players have been putting thousands of them, more of them up there too, and thousands more east to go. There's big competitors in the same field of who's going to dominate uh, airspace and so on. And of course, the military will be using it as well in the militarization space. But uh, it's mainly beamed on us, you know. But uh, again, we're given no. How dare anybody block out? I thought this, even when the geoengineering was invented two years and years ago, how dare they do that to, to all of us without asking our permission or what we thought about it? See, see, there's the real, these kind of actions show you what they really think of you. You're, you're little nothing peasants to them. I hope you understand that. Little nothing peasants. We must just do what, what uh, multi-billionaires say, you know. Why? You know. But uh, as I said, there's, there's thousands more. Other articles still kind of fine right now where some other companies put, literally put up uh, thousands and they've got thousands more to go up. It's just astonishing. And you can see them flipping across the sky, you know, at night. And I'll just put up one last little thing too. It says, more record gains for Greenland's ice sheet. The ice sheet's been growing and growing over the last few years and it looks set to continue the trend into the next year as well. So it's, you know, all the, the real stuff that's happening isn't given much of a push because it doesn't go against the bigger agenda or, or with the big agenda of global warming, you see. But it says total snow mass of the northern hemisphere continues to track well above average, something which simply is impossible in warming world conditions. And it says, too, that NASA recently revealed this upcoming solar cycle, too, because uh, we've got, right now, uh, in cold times, you get historically low solar activity. Of course, the, the new end says that the sun's got nothing to do with, with heating the planet, but um, in cold times, yeah, you get you very little solar activity, like sunspots or big massive blasts of radiation through space. But NASA has recently revealed its upcoming solar cycle will be the weakest for the past 200 years, and have correlated previous solar shutdowns to prolonged periods of global cooling. I've got a couple of links to that too, perhaps, and I'll put it up tonight as well. But it's astonishing, as I say. Eh? Uh, uh, <laughs> yet, yet there was posts and uh, and different newspapers, and, and oh, forget that last book. Anyway, that's about all time for really, I'm afraid. Again, depopulation. I'll just say this last part. The depopulation things, you have to lower the energy use for the public. Remember, that's part of the 30 measures that I mentioned years ago. They'll take away, they'll increase all the prices of everything until you all can afford as basic essentials, if you're lucky, you can get them. But, but energy for heating and for other purposes, if you, if you reduce them, then we start to get sick. That standard or standard of, uh, of hygiene, everything falls down the, the tubes and we get sick and we start to die off, folks. And then you go for the food supply. That's part of the, the thing too. Climate change, land use threatens world food supply. United Nations report finds. Now, it's your fault, you see. And you, and they want to have less farms, less farms. Even I've got articles here with so many farms getting denied loans now. There's one article here on um, Wisconsin. 
reveals that the Western District of Wisconsin had the highest number of Chapter 12 farm bankruptcies in 2017. And remember too, folks, to be interdependent, which is the big UN agenda that all your politicians all signed on to. It means you're not supposed to be completely independent for your own survival as a nation. You must be interdependent with other countries, so other countries supply things that you need and vice versa. That's what it's all set up to do. Anyway, I hope I've babbled on too much here. Uh, just start thinking about things, folks, and realize that we truly are so incredibly micromanaged now with propaganda that most folk either switch off or just accept the standard stuff they're being fed. It's rather sad, but but it, we've never been we've never lived in an age of such intense propaganda. Uh, direct from the sources that just churn it out because of our ubiquitous communications devices, as I like to call all the internet of things and so on. And uh, you, you have to switch it all off and get a peace, get a peace break once in a while. That's what you have to do. Think about it, and then really think why things are happening the way that, the way that they're happening when things don't make sense. As I say, we're going through a huge psychodrama, and it really is. When things don't make sense, you're going through a psychodrama that's intentional and different actors play their parts in it. That's intentional too. From myself, Alan Watchman here at Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.